When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome into the A-List podcast. As usual, Kwani Lunis joined by Aisha Blakely and Gary Washburn. Welcome to another week of the A-List. How have you two been? <laughs> surviving, like the Celtics, surviving. Thriving? Is there thriving in there or just surviving? Uh, I just said surviving, and that was, that was 100% intentional. <laughs> Gary, are you thriving? Hopefully. Uh, sort of, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, life is oh, good, you know. I'm Gary Washburn. Of course I'm thriving. Good. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, Sherrod. Uh, but, um, yeah, everything is good. And obviously, kicking into the the last uh, hurdle of the season, the last, uh, you know, part of the regular season. We'll see what happens. But it's fascinating ball right now. Absolutely. And we'll just start right off the top. Let's get into the players specifically. They've been still on a kind of rocky road, so to speak, but the Celtics don't look terrible at this point. Let's talk about Jason Tatum specifically. Do you think we'll have top five Tatum back in time for the playoffs? I think at this point, it it seems to be a little bit of, I guess, fatigue maybe for this team and they're just ready for the playoffs. I don't know if it's fatigue, Kwani. I mean, Tatum just don't look, like Tatum, uh, he's, <laughs> he's scoring, he's getting buckets. I mean, Deuce Daddy's still getting buckets. He's doing that. But the thing is, he's doing it in a highly inefficient manner. And that, I think, is having a domino effect that has made the Celtics post All-Star break a 500 team. Mm-hmm. And last I checked, 500 basketball ain't going to get you no championship. So Tatum, I think he's the one guy, when you look at their roster of guys who have just kind of not been themselves post-All-Star break, and there's been multiple guys who fall into that category, but Tatum is the one guy who really has to get back into a good flow, a good rhythm, and show folks and remind folks why not that long ago he was considered one of the front runners for league MVP. Right now, I'm not sure if he's in the top 10 for the MVP at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at his his uh, splits right right now. Uh, Not good. Ten games since the All Star break, he's averaging three fewer points, two more rebounds, and another 1.2 assists. But he's shooting 43% of the field from the field as opposed to 46.4 before the All Star game. The three point shooting is what suffered. 29.7% from three in the ten games as opposed to 35.7 before. Jason Tatum is not an elite three-point shooter. He's a streaky three-point shooter. When he gets hot, 
you know, he's what Dame Lillard said. Dame's like, I'm the level below Steph. Like Steph is the Michael Jordan, the three pointers, uh, or LeBron James, however you think is the greatest or whatever. I'm below that. Jason, when he's hot, is on that level. But that's when he's hot. Right now, he's settling for too many threes. He's not attacking the basket. And then when he did attack the basket the other night against Minnesota, he got helicoptered by Rudy Gobert. Hopefully he's okay. We'll see about that tomorrow in Portland, whether how his hip is doing or whatever, whether they want to give him a game off or how that's going to go. Um, but Jason Sedley, he's really trying to – I mean, you can see it. He's really trying to get himself going from three. He's trying – you know, he's 0 for 8 against the Timberwolves. Like, he's really trying to get himself going, and it's just not working. So the question is, for Joe Mazzula and Tatum, well, what do you do, Jason? Do you keep taking them, thinking eventually it's going to end? Your streak, your slump is going to end? Or do you attack the basket, get to the rim, get to the free throw line, score in different ways? I think he – I mean, obviously, as we've seen with his numbers, his rebounds are up and his assists are up. So he's trying to do different things although he's slumping offensively, but he is just settling for way too many threes, the step back threes. He's doing the Kobe-itis thing again. Um, you know, and there's only one difference. Kobe was making the shots, you know, and, and the thing about it is Kobe, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, not, not, none of those three were great three-point shooters, but you sure as hell did not want them to be on the other team when they're shooting a three to win the game because they're going to hit that bad boy. So if Jason wants to be that guy, which is fine, you want to be like, don't leave me open from here. I'm going to kill you, but I ain't going to hit them all. Then that's fine. But Jason is just sometimes settling too much. He's got one-on-one -on -one coverage with a big. He wants to, oh, let me, let, me, let me get myself going here. That's the thing. He's trying to get himself going from the three, then let the twos come in, but it ain't working. So in Houston, he did all that. Then he attacked the basket in the second half and they started rallying and then a bunch of other bad things happened against the Rockets. They let them, uh, let them youngsters get confidence. You know, some dude named Usman Garuba hit consecutive threes, but that was coaching. That was coaching. Um, we can touch on that later. That was, that was bad coaching to leave that dude open. Cause he was, he don't shoot a lot of threes, but he was over 50% for the season from threes. That big brother can shoot. He don't shoot a lot. So, Tatum's got to be more of a leader in terms of like, okay, guys, I'm slumping, but one, I'm going to start attacking the rim. I'm going to get to the free throw line. Um, and we don't know how his body's feeling. You know, the wrist. Now he's got the hip thing. The knee was bothering him because he took that shot, like that, that rugby shot from um, Josh Hart against the Knicks. Like, so there's, there's like, you know, I'm sure there's something going on, but Tatum has to be better. You just, that's it. And I think you go outside, sorry, inside out, not outside in. He's trying to go outside in, but inside is where his bread and butter should be at right now. Yeah, yeah a few more post-ups would do him good. A few more post-ups would do him a lot of good just to get into a flow, get into rhythm. Because Tatum, I mean, he's real. he's got good footwork on a block. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, tripping over himself or anything like that. Uh, and and he, he just has to figure out how do I get myself going? And to me, you know, when you rely on a three ball, that's lazy. Uh, that's the easiest way to get going because you're going to get that shot more times than not. Uh, but 
on the block, you got to outsmart your man. You got to you got to outmaneuver him, out finesse him. And Tatum has that skill set in him. I just uh, I'm just hoping somebody will tell him that if he's not figuring that out on his own, um, which, again, I, I think back to just what Gary was just talking about coaching. I mean, this is this is when coaching matters. When your team is underperforming and you don't have a specific rhyme or reason why, someone has to get you back on track. And last I checked, that's usually your coach. Well, that being said, Marcus Smart is another one who has not looked like the defensive player of the year that he was just a season ago. What do you two make of his performance? And he's acknowledged there's been slippage in his defense, but how concerned are you with the way he's played this season? You got to get it. I talked about him. That's right. Here's my thing about Marcus. Everybody know I love me some Marcus Smart. I know, I know. But the thing I love about Marcus in this particular moment is the accountability of his shortcomings. There are guys who will will be playing like crap and they'll be like, well, I just got to break out of this. I'll be all right. Marcus has acknowledged he has not been as good defensively as he needs to be. Now, to me, that's part of the solution is acknowledging there's a problem. Now, what the hell are you going to do about it, Marcus? Is it a physical thing? Is it a mental thing? Are you just getting bad whistles? What's going on? He has to figure out how to be a more impactful defender. Uh, And that, to me, relies on him putting a little bit more focus on defense. Uh, Marcus still takes way too many heat checks that a guy who's not a heat check shooter should be taken. Uh, I don't cringe nearly as much now as I used to two, three, four years ago when he shoots, but I'm getting that feeling again uh, where when he is raising up, I'm like, that's probably not the best idea right now. Give him his credit. He's made some big shots in, in his career, but right now, he really needs to get back to the, what got him to where he's at in this league, and that is his defense. Uh, I, I don't think that he puts as much focus on that now, in part because he's been asked to do more things. But to me, I always thought that was the beauty of having a Malcolm Brogdon and a Derek White around. That meant that Marcus Smart, on, for stretches, had to do nothing but be a lockdown defender. You don't need to play make. You don't need to take shots. You don't need to run the offense. You just need to lock down their best wing to score score that could be your job Malcolm can run the offense Derek can run the offense Malcolm can shoot threes Derek can shoot threes now you we don't need you to, to be a in one of our better scores because we got guys who can do that we just need you to be the best version of what you do well and I love the fact that he's acknowledged he hasn't been that dude but I need him to to just say okay now that I've admitted what my shortcomings is this is what I'm gonna do to fix it and I, I would hope it will start against Portland because Portland is a team, to me, if you're trying to get your mojo back, Portland is a great team to do that on. There's not a whole lot they plan for right now. Um, and it breaks my heart to say that because, as you know, Chauncey Billups, their head coach, is my dude. Love me some Chauncey Billups. Love me some Chauncey Billups. But his team is playing horrible basketball. They should be better than they are. And, and, and we all know that. Uh, and if you're the Celtics, you need to take advantage of that and, and just continue on your winning ways and, and just, again, take care of your business. And I think defensively, Marcus Smart stepping his game up at that end of the floor, that's going to be a part, big part of that. Yeah, I'm going to look at the splits again with Marcus. There's a lot of good information here with Marcus on these splits. Okay. Pre-post, pre-All-Star game, he was, uh, for the season, he was shooting 42.5% for the three field. Yeah, that's okay. You take that. For Marcus, that was okay. Yeah, 33.3% from the free throw, three-point line. That's, that's okay for that. Marcus. Like, that's, 
you know, that's his lane, 33, 34, maybe 35%. In the 11 games since the All-Star break, Marcus is shooting 36.1% from field for the field and 32.3% from um, three-point line. But he's averaging more points per game. What does that mean? That means Marcus taking more shots, okay? In Marcus has taken about six three-pointers a game since the All-Star break. Too, too much, too much, too much, too much, okay? Marcus took about five, four and a half before the All-Star break, okay? Marcus's assist was three to one assist to turnover ratio pre-All-Star break. Since then, it's four to three. He's got not 41 assists to 30 turnovers. That's not, 43 is not good if, if, if at home, ladies and gentlemen and folks, if your assist the turnover ratio is four to three, you're going to get benched as a point guard. High school, peewee, uh, football, ball, whatever. Throughout the backyard, yep. AAU, whatever, okay? Whatever team, if you are turning the ball over three times and only assisting it four, that's bad, okay? Then I look at the home and road splits for Marcus. Marcus is a better shooter at home considerably. 44.2% from the field, 38% from three. On the road, 38.5% from the field, 29.8%, 30% shoot, like considerably a better shooter at home. Okay. His offensive rating since the All-Star break, 94. Before 113. So all these numbers are just alarming. He's having not a good year. Right. And you can blame injuries. Marcus putting a lot of pressure on himself. I think we saw a lot of good Marcus early in the season when he was, you know, he was whipping the ball around and he was making great passes and he was setting it. But now he's doing too much. That three pointer against the Clap Cavaliers when he was open and he just launched it and he was just not, he was four for 17 in that game. Like that, that's what loses you games. Do what you do. And that's a, my main complaint about the damn Celtics. I've watched uh, Milwaukee throughout the season, but more, cons- more closely, the win at Phoenix, the win at Sacramento, they play with the same damn personality. Mm. They know who they are, and they're going to win or lose that way. And most of the time, it's winning. Mm. They don't do – Drew Holiday ain't doing too – ain't taking 35-footers. Chris Middleton ain't trying to dunk on you all the time. Giannis is just the greatness of Giannis. Brooke Lopez has been defensive player of the year, in my opinion. And he can shoot like they all have roles. And now Joe Ingles, who is like, would, seems to be a perfect acquisition for him because he's like, like he's open. So like the Celtics have to develop personality. And that starts with Marcus. Marcus has to be a distributor, a better distributor. Not these trick passes, the Harlem Globetrotter stuff. Stop that. Um Stop shooting the ball when you think you fouled. Marcus, you've been in the league dying damn, dying damn 10 years now. We've been, we've been there for the whole Marcus Spark experience from 2014 to 2023. He don't get those calls. Never, ever, okay? ever. Giannis gets those calls. Always. Steph gets those calls. The great ones get those calls. Marcus, I know he fouled you, but you just can't flip it up there and get, oh, and then stand there and complain. So... Marcus has got to be more mentally focused. If he's hurt or, or Joe, go back to coaching, guys. Joe's got to figure out, do I want him in my closing lineup? And 
Is he making winning plays? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the thing. You don't need Marcus to score. Marcus should not be taking six three-pointers a game. He's a 32, 30, he's a below average three-point shooter. We all know that. Now, can he get hot? Of course. Does he lead the league in, oh, hell no, don't take that shot. Oh, damn, he hit it. Like, he leads the, the he leads the all-time NBA history and don't don't shoot it. Oh, damn, he hit it. That's crazy. Get him, Gary. Like, that's his I'll push him up boy like that. That would be on his plaque. Damn, like, Gary. Um, but now Just it's time to play smarter ball. And you got some real big games coming up in Milwaukee and Philadelphia. You want to finish this road trip with three more wins. You lost the easiest game, although Houston beat the Lakers. So Houston, you know, Houston got a bunch of young bucks. Beat the Celtics and beating the Lakers ain't the same, G. You know well, that. The Celtics took them lightly and got burned for it. But if you want to finish this road trip five and one, if you want to be that team and you want to push the Bucks for the number one seat and don't lose a number two seat to Philadelphia, Marcus has got to play smarter ball and quit trying to be hero ball. He's the king of the hero ball now. I just always go back to that shot in Cleveland. They could have won that game. Yeah, if Grant hits the free throws, they win. But Marcus also had a wide-open three-pointer that went on a night he just was not hitting three-pointers, and he chucked it. And it's just like, that's bad. That's old Marcus Smart. The Celtics need 2021-22 Marcus Smart. Nope. Let me hold this up. Let me set Derek up for a shot. Let me throw in the paint. Let's get a paint touch. Smart, heady ball. Not this wild stuff that he'd be doing sometimes. And sometimes it works. The offensive foul against, I mean, the, uh, off the free throw, the foul he, he, he caused. But it's also he got ejected against Atlanta. Um, he fouled out a couple of games. So Marcus, is the temperament, as we see, we see the temperament. I remember, <laughs> you'll have a distraught. Like, you could just tell. Like, I remember eight, nine, seven, seven, seven years ago, our friend Jason Jones from the Sacramento B. The Kings oh. were in town to play the Celtics. Jason Jones says, Gary, I talked to uh, DeMarcus Cousins before the game. He's going to act a fool tonight. Jason called. He said, something's going to happen. Something is going to happen. DeMarcus is DeMarcus mad. I don't know what it's about, but DeMarcus is about to act a fool. What happened? DeMarcus got ejected. ejected. I, think, I think he slammed Marcus to the ground. He got ejected. Jason, when you know guys as we do, and you know certain temperament, you're like, you know what? Like, in Atlanta, you just knew – Marcus is not happy with Trey Young. He's irritated by that dude. And Mark's about to start some, you know. So, to me, Mark's got to be more heady. And then if he's not healthy or he's not productive, Missoula has to potentially go with the lineup of Brogdon and wipe down the stretch if that's going to help you win because ego's out the door right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, the um, <laughs> Gary, the, the point that you bring up about Derek White and Brogdon and Marcus and down the stretch, um, I, I'm a little I'm struggling to understand what Joe Mazzulla is, is, is seeing that we're not, because all the analytics, all the eye tests that we take show that 
those two guys have been more impactful and effective post all-star break down the stretch to Marcus. And, and again, as, as one of the biggest Marcus smart homers out there, I would bench him down the stretch more so than Joe does because the way that Malcolm is playing, the way that Derek is playing, the way that the team is working, it's to your favor when Marcus is not on the floor down the stretch. That's, that doesn't mean you completely take him out of rotation. No, you don't grant Williams him. You don't, do, you don't do a grant to him. No, you don't do that. But you definitely be smarter about how you utilize him down the stretch because you have a couple of guys that can play that position who are playing well. And last I checked, that's kind of the point of, of what you're doing this for, to play well when it matters most. So um, part of me is thinking that maybe Joe is just saving that for this little playoff surprise that we're going to see where all of a sudden down the stretch, we're going to see the guys who are playing best on the floor and not the guys that he wants to be on the floor that he hopes will play the best. Um, but yeah, smart is a smart is a tough one because you know how important he is to their overall team, just mojo. Um, but he's not playing well right now. And he even admits that. And as a coach, I mean, how much how much rope do you give a guy who admits he's not playing his best? You know he's not playing his best. All the data in the world tells you that. At what point do you start looking at ways to give others an opportunity to fill that void to some extent? Not again, not taking him out of rotation, but definitely. You know, down the stretch, you need to see a little more Derek White and Malcolm at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking, Sherrod, like, assists in the first half of the season, before 7.1, since the All-Star break, 3.7, almost half the assists. Like, he's just, and then, but yet he's averaging more points. That means he's shooting too damn much because his percentages ain't up. It's not like, well, damn, Marcus hit some shots. That's why he's scoring more. No, he's scoring more because he's taking two more three-pointers per game, and then he's trying to do the, you know, and then, as we've seen, he was really effective with the post-up, the little short jumper. He's right. not hitting those as much anymore, right? He's missing layups. There's times he's missing free throws. So I think there needs to be, you know, now do you give him some rest? Do you give him some load management? Do you do you give him a, you know, a game off when you get back home? I don't know. But there has to be some hard conversations in management and with Marcus and Missoula about, how to get him right. That's fair. So I guess moving on to the third part of their big three, if that's what we're going to call them. Jalen Brown, he's been looking pretty decent, I would say, despite I saw on his Instagram having a loss in a family, which is why he lost um, that game in February. But what have you two made of his performance? Last game, a double-double, 43 against, I believe it was Houston. So he, he seems to be like the constant at this point. But what do you two think? Well, I mean, well, first off, condolences to him and his family. Um, I've had a conversation with someone close to Jalen, and I, I'm not going to put his business out in the street because I don't do that. But it's it's, it's someone that's very yeah. close to him um, that he lost. But it is on his Instagram the um, the photo if anyone's interested in looking. But yeah, he's he's been playing out of this world. I mean, he's been the best player on this team since post All Star break. Uh, let's just just call it what it is. Uh, the thing, the thing about Jalen that separate that distinguishes him from Tatum is that Tatum has, I think, greater highs and greater lows. Yeah, Jalen is just yeah. a rock. I mean, he's going to get, and when he plays a little bit better than normal, it's noticeable. But his lows aren't because his lows don't really—they're not really lows. 
I mean, he'll have a bad game, but it doesn't really feel like a bad game because when you look at the bottom line and you look at the stats, it's like, mm-hmm. that's not really a bad game. That's just, he was had an off night. Mm-hmm. That to me is why Tatum has to get his stuff together because Jalen is ready. Jalen is like that, that, that number two on your team who's just like, look, you know what I'm going to do. Why? Because I do it every damn night. What you going to do, numero uno? Tatum has to be that guy. He's got to figure this out because of that. And, I'm, and for me, just watching him play is frustrating because I know that Jalen is just like, you know what? All the haters who didn't think I could do this, didn't think I could do that. You do realize I'm giving you 25 a night easy. Casually, easy. yeah. Easy. And I'm not even the first option. And down the stretch, who y'all looking at? Who y'all coming to? Mm. Tatum got Tatum need to get his act together if this team is going to win a championship because Jalen is ready. Tatum is, is the one that needs to really get his stuff together. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my splits again. So call you split money. Split yeah. game, man. Ten games since the All Star break. Yeah. Jalen's averaging 28.1 points a game, shooting 50.2 percent from the field and 38.3 percent from three. His offensive rating is much higher than it was in the first half, and so is his defensive rating. So he is bringing it, um, you know, obviously it's always with him. You want, there's two kind of uh, Achilles heels to his game, the free throws and the turnovers, but he seems to have, have improved on those, not all completely uh, solved all those problems, but just an efficient player, you know, he's carrying them. Now the question is, and I got a lot of heat for this, for asking about Missoula, about Jalen, kind of carrying a team when Jason was out and everybody thought I was asking Joe, do we get along and can they play together? I know that I don't they know can, how to drew that conclusion, but keep going. People love yeah. that narrative. Yeah. Play I never asked that. I know they can play together. What I was asking was sometimes how does Jalen feel when like against the Houston Rockets, mm-hmm. yeah. Jason gets the last shot, even though Jalen had 43, 43 points. Yeah. You know, is that a situation? Now we're not talking about Jordan and Pittman and or Pippen and Kuko, or Pippen didn't want to I mean, go into the game, and he was mad. But is that a situation when Jason's off that you call a play for Jalen, right? Um, I, I, you know, and how does Jalen feel about that? And man, I have forty-three points, and you give it to a guy who's got twenty and who's not had a bit good. And that's my dude. Like you know, they're good. I'm not causing any strife, but Jalen's got to feel like Jalen feels like he's a number one too. Yeah. One A, one B. One A, yeah, yeah. Well, look, the, th- the thing about that, Gary, though, is I, and it, it, you know, Joe Mazzulla has, has shown the willingness to take a page or two from Brad Stevens. And I think this is an opportunity for him to do that again. Uh, you remember Brad will call these ATOs for not the, the third, the fourth, the fifth option. And he did that based upon either the matchup or the way they were playing. He didn't mm-hmm. he didn't have this preset pecking order that well because you're our leading scorer last play of the game I'm calling for you regardless of how you're playing it was based on how you were playing and how your situation in that moment gave the team the best opportunity to win and I I find that Joe has his own idea of how he wants this stuff to be scripted and it doesn't necessarily take into account what's happening in that moment I mean to your point Jalen if you give, if you call a play for Jalen to take the final shot and it doesn't go in, no one's going to be like, damn, why did he call it for Tatum? They'd be like, he called it for the guy who had the hot hand. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what you're supposed to do. That, that's, uh, 
Again, I'm hoping that a lot of the stuff that we're questioning and we're not sure about with Missoula is going to become crystal clear once we get to the playoffs and that maybe he's just playing some, you know, some Jedi mind tricks with us. <laughs> but there's a big part of me that's just like, nah, bro, that's not really what's happening. This is just who he is. And I'm, I'm and it, it makes me real nervous for this, this crew come playoff time because you need a coach who understands the nuances of playoff basketball and knowing that the script that you begin the game with is not necessarily going to be the script you need to finish it with. Mm. And the edits that you make along the way can be the difference between going on and winning a championship or having your ass bounce in the second round. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's get into the other two parties that I wanted to talk about. Let's start with Grant Williams. I don't really... Do we want to talk about Grant Williams? We can keep it quick. Kind of like his minutes. Keep it short. Oh, that was me. That was me. And y'all know I love Grant too. Grant's my listen. I'm going. Let's be honest. I'm just going. I'm just going to focus on the Timber Pups game because that was the one where he got some burn, and he came up with one of the biggest low key plays of, of the victory. I mean, winning that damn jump ball from the the, the stifle, Eiffel the Stifle Tower. Right. If it's Timber, if you're trying to insult the Timberwolves, the baby, what's the baby wolf? Wouldn't it be a kitten or something? Not a pup. Pup is like small. Pup is like a small dog. dog. All right, what is a small cat? Right? Never mind. Never mind. A baby wolf is called a cub. So timber cubs. Timber cubs. Mm. I like timber pups better, but that okay. Trying to help you out. Could be a mixed breed for all you know. (laughs) You can say that with animals. Don't act like. Oh no! Yeah, Gary was again. <laughs> I lied. I lied. Wait, all these websites. I don't know what's reputable anymore. It says that there's popular a popular misconception that baby wolves are called cubs, which often leads to confusion. But they're not. A baby wolf is a pup. So scientifically speaking, I think Sherrod is correct on this one. Oh Christ! Oh gosh! Anywho's. <laughs> Look. Now y'all want to move on. Go yeah, ahead. <laughs> keep, keep it moving. Are your points made? <laughs> I'm just glad Greg, Greg had a chance to make some plays. And again, I, I still think he's going to be someone that's going to help them in the playoffs. Uh, but he's got to just do the little things to get himself back in the good graces of, uh, you know, fans. Missoula. <laughs> and Minnesota was a good start. Yeah. Quick thoughts. Yeah, I, I thought he made a, a, you know, he stole that jump ball. Yeah. Um, you know, he got the um he got the loose ball in the sideline. Yeah. You know, Grant had a nice little turnaround layup, um, you know, off the dribble. So I mean, I, Grant's doing little things, and I think that's what's how you have to look at it. Exactly. You know, the days of Grant hitting seven threes to win a playoff game. Is that gonna happen? Yep. One more run. But I think Grant has to figure out how do I fit in here? Can we take advantage of my opportunity? There is a role for me on this team, and I have to flourish. If it's getting a loose ball, they got enough scores. If it's getting a loose ball, 
blocking out on offensive rebound, not allowing damn another offensive rebound, like taking a hard foul, you know, making a hard foul on somebody, sending them to the line. Like that's what Grant needs to do: be a be a workhorse, be a blue collar guy. Um, and then you know we'll see what happens this summer in free agency. But just do the little things to be make winning plays like you did against Minnesota. And I think that's how he's going to stay on the floor. All right, finally, Grant, uh, not Grant, just talked about him. Joe Mazzullo, you've both talked about him throughout the entire episode already, but what more, and kind of answered this, but what more do you want to see from him during this final stretch as a coach? Consistency, creativity, and leadership. Give me those three, and, and we're good. Uh, c- consistency in, as far as having a plan of how you want to approach the games and having your, your players kind of really – execute that a little bit more consistently creativity with the with the lineups i mean if, if you it's i'm thinking specifically about the whole Derek white marcus smart malcolm brogdon dynamic and just being creative and how you utilize those guys down the stretch i think it's it's way too cookie cutter mode right now where you're going to play them a certain amount of minutes and certain roles and i think they need to get away from that and to me when you do those two those things at a high level which i think joe has the ability to do that represents your leadership. That shows that you understand your role in this process. Uh, and, and again, that's all I want from Joe, because I think if he's able to do those things at a fairly high level, it won't matter what this team is seated. They're going to give themselves the best chance possible to be the last team standing with them in, in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think Joe just has to, like sure I said, be more consistent, develop some standard rotations, um, figure out, make some tough decisions on who to play, who not to play, and play the guys who are playing the best ball right now. Like, that's what you just have to do and leave the egos at the door. That's why you brought Malcolm Brogdon in. That's why Derek Weiss flourished. Like, you've got to make uh, decisions to put those guys on the floor for a maximum amount of time because they're making the plays. And guys like Marcus is struggling, you know, um, you know, what do you do? Like, you know, and it's also blending in with giving guys some shots. You know, Sam Hauser here and there, Luke Cornett here and there. Um, you know, I think he needs to pay, play Peyton Pritchard, although Peyton's not available right now. He needs to pay, uh, play him more when he comes back. You know, just things that, quite honestly, um, do what's best for the team. Don't be so stubborn and try to figure out a formula in the last 10 games that's going to get you to the NBA Finals. Because right now, it's, you know, Milwaukee looking like a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. And now you have probably lost home court advantage in that series. So you got to do something different, figure out something different to overcome that hump. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, moving around the association, John Morant, we talked about him over the last two episodes and the incident with the firearm at a club and now the NBA has investigated and they put forth a suspension, but then he talked to Dylan Rose of ESPN and basically 
tied it all up with a bow, good a little PR situation, and Jaw's good now. Do you two believe that? And if not, what do you think the league should have done when it comes? No, he ain't good. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how you can have the type of issues that kind of came to light and then take a week and a half away from the game and you good? Mm-hmm. And there was a game suspension, which I believe they already counted. They've already, yeah, so it's really more like just another couple games. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think Ja, well, I think his intent is, is right. I think that there are too many factors that are driving him to get back on the court sooner rather than later. Um, I, I think that, uh, and I'm hoping for his sake, that he can just kind of keep things relatively low key. Uh, understand, and I, you know, the, to me, the one thing that he he talked a little bit about, and I, I, I do think this is something that he can address quickly is his, his entourage. The guys understand that you are under a very different kind of microscope now than you used to be. Uh, y'all need to, we need to keep it in check. Uh, you need to, you need to have roles for everyone in your crew. And they need to understand what they can and cannot do and what they should not say and what they should say and go f- from there. Uh, you, you just can't you can't move and navigate the way you used to. Uh, and I, I think this is a, definitely a, a teachable moment for him. But I, a week and a half, I just think is not enough time to fully understand whether he learned from this or not. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one minute he's going to this rehab center in Florida and a day and a half later he's doing an interview and He's meeting with the commissioner in New York. So how long was this rehab thing? Like two days? It's optics. It's optics. So, like he went for he went for a day and a half to a rehab center, whatever that he needs to be rehab. Like, you know, he's trying to do this too fast. You pray and hope that he gets it right, that his circle becomes tighter and more exclusive, and that his father steps in and instead of instead of trying to be, you know, look like big usher and <laughs> you know, be just oh, cool all the time, and hey, I'm the cool NBA dad. You know, you know, you you wish you was me with my son. You know, like you, instead of looking like that, you know, I'm not saying he's not a father. I'm not going to challenge his uh, desire to be a father, his fatherhood, but just step up and make some changes. And, and how you approach your son because your son, you're losing him. The life is he's getting caught up in the life, and this is something we saw a lot more in the '90s. Mm-hmm drugs, the alcohol, the partying, the strip clubs. And this is before camera phones. This is before they had tape recorders in the strip club to show uh, him getting the lap dance. Like, the photo, yeah. And all the money on the floor. Like, this is when guys were getting caught up. Ask J.R. Smith. Ask some of these guys who just couldn't stay away from going out. And it ruined or derailed their careers. So, and then, you know, Jaws a father. He's got a young daughter, like, Set an example. Be serious about your craft. And then also the, the, the Grizzlies. They're a bunch of youngsters, and they haven't matured. Dylan Brooks talking mess all the time. Desmond Bay, like, all those dudes, like, they don't have, except for Steven Adams, they don't have that guy that's like, you know, hey, fellas, don't, don't do that. Like, that was the 90s. The 90s, we had some 35-year-old on his last days, but like a Udonis Haslam is now, but, you, you know, he was going to give you a, a headlock or, you know, a Charles Oakley kind of thing and be like, don't go out. Mm. We're going to dinner. We're not going to the club. Yeah. You know, um, you want to invite somebody that you like to dinner, do that. Don't go to strip club. Don't go. We got a game tomorrow. Why are you out? So. And I hope this was a, a 
a warning signal for a lot of the players in the league because even just seeing the way that the the photo surfaced of him at the strip club and then the owner is like, oh no, but he didn't drink. And it's, it's like, you're not actually doing a service by one releasing the pictures and saying that, but also it's like, I, I think these players need to understand, like you just can't be around anyone. And I, I imagine that they they've heard this and, and seen what obviously what Josh's going through right now, but you are in the public eye and everything you do will be picked apart. And for you to be out in these streets acting up, like someone's going to say something, you can't just trust that everyone's going to be discreet because clearly the discretion doesn't even work for strip club owners at this point. I really hope this is a wake up call because I hate to see these young men just get themselves, throw their lives away really for foolishness is what it seems like. But moving on, Lonzo Ball, Chicago Bulls guard. He is actually going to uh, reportedly undergoing a third surgery on his left knee that is expected to cost him most, if not all, of the rest of the 2023-2024 NBA season. That's according to Sham Sharania. What do you two make of Lonzo's career at this point? Do you think there's hope for him to even have a career in the league after all of these surgeries? I just want him to be healthy at this mm-hmm. point because – the career, it is what it is. I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I would not be surprised if there is some type of uh, litigation uh, that that comes about in the in the coming months, year or so, relative to this this uh, you know, these surgeries, because uh, it just that something just doesn't add up. Where a player who has been as talented as he has been for so long to have what seemed like a relatively minor injury have it repeatedly something not go right that there's something just something doesn't add up to this and i i think you know i and unfortunately he's the collateral damage in, in whatever that mess up is and to quickly add so shams also well, I mean, this is in real time a minute ago actually just said that lonzo ball will undergo a cartilage transplant in his left knee but he quote tweeted his initial report about a third surgery. So still unclear as to whether or not that was a correction because he didn't necessarily state that. But either way, the same same thing goes. It seems as though Lonzo is going to undergo some kind of procedure. But Gary, your thoughts? Yeah, it's sad. I mean, I think he's a really naturally a good kid who had a potential to be one of the league's top frontline point guards. And he was starting to get his shot together, and that was the whole thing. His shot was kind of broken once he got to the league, but he was a very solid player. And just, you know, I don't know where, where what happened to the knee and when it all started, but it reminds me a lot of Grant Hill, who had the, the multiple uh, ankle surgeries in his day because he played on it hurting or like he played on a broken ankle, a fractured ankle when he was with the, with the Magic. And <clears throat> then he had some, like, surgeries that went awry, and then he had to have a, his, like, uh, ankle bone completely reshaped and all that like to to finish out his career as not what he once was but a a decent productive player and at this point you're just hoping and you know it's it's sad like I was looking at um you know Chris Dunn remember the guy former lottery pick same Jalen's class you know the rest is from Utah like he was like he played 20 plus 20 something games over two years like with knee injuries like he was out of the league for a while like everybody thinks everybody gonna play 20 years, 18 years, everybody ain't LeBron, everybody ain't Kobe, everybody ain't Steph. Like 
sometimes these kids, they won't make it to 30. Mm -hmm. And so I hope Lonzo gets his degree, finds an alternate business, saves his money, because now you're just kind of like, are you, are you an NBA starter? Are you a backup who's just going to, you know, kind of, you know, like Randy Livingston, you know, I remember him, obviously, dates back to former LSU kind of superstar, ended up having knee injuries. Or, you know, locally, Leon Poe tore his ACL twice, one in high school, one in college. And then, you know, the doctor told him, doctor said, dude, you got about six years in these knees. So save your money. You're not going to make it to 30 on these knees. And he didn't. He played about five or six years. You know, I think he invested his money. I think he was smart or whatever. Like, it's not promised. And I think this is one of those examples, unfortunately, for these young guys to not, you know, invest your money. Like, what are my friend, my, my, one of my big time buddies, Barshawn Lynch said, you know, save your chicken. You know, get your mental, save your chicken. Hopefully, with this contract that, you know, Lonzo signed, he can save some of it, invest it. Because obviously, like him playing till 34, you know, and let's look at someone like Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose was MVP, one of probably a Hall of Famer, can't miss if he doesn't tear his uh, cartilage in that playoff series when the Bulls were the number one seed. They got knocked off by the eight seed Sixers and, you know, just various injuries. And now he's still hanging around, but everybody, you know, it's what if with Derrick Rose. What, what if, what if he didn't tear his knee up? Derek be in the Hall of Fame. He'd be still be probably one of the top guards in the league right now because he still made it work, you know, despite his injury. So I think this is a lesson these young guys that nothing's promised. All this money and this lifestyle, it can be taken away. And all you know, you're, sometimes your body fails you. All these dudes aren't robots. And I think we all look at LeBron and Steph and Kobe and even Shaq playing until he's 38 and think, oh, well, you know, I, I'm a play till I don't play till I'm I'm good for 15 years. Like no, you're probably not. Look at McGrady. McGrady was done by 30. You know there are guys who just you know they don't make it. Isaiah Thomas, our, our friend, was done by 32, 33. He tore his Achilles. He was done. Like it's not promised. So I hope that Lonzo invests his money, gets himself together, and then try gets the right procedure, and then tries to come back and regain some of what he had. Okay, and finally, the MVP race, it's heating up as it usually does around this time. Joel Embiid is back and forth. Right now, it's it's really head-on-head head between him and Doncic. But, I mean, sorry, Jokic, not Doncic. Um, the top five, I'll just read them out. So it's Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, and then Harden and... Doncic and Tatum are like rounding out the top six according to basketball reference but Joel Embiid I think has gotten the most conversation surrounding him at this point do you think he's a legitimate front runner at this point are you buying or selling that I'm buying it only because it's his time uh and that, that the MVP race it, it, te- it there tends to be this like you know um fatigue and voting for a particular athlete. And so it's like, okay, well, who haven't we given a damn award to? 
Hey, Joel. And Joel has been runner up for the war like twice already. So it's not like he hasn't been in position to get it. Uh, I think ultimately it'll come down to can they pass the Celtics for that number two spot? Because when you look at the things that that Sixers team has been through, for them to finish with like the second best record in the Eastern Conference based on all the ups and downs that they've gone through. Uh, Joel, I think, will be well positioned to win the award. But if you start going through the numbers, um, I think Jokic, I think Giannis, I think are better choices, to be honest. Uh, but I can absolutely see them giving it to Joel simply because he hasn't got one yet. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to say this. Like, I voted for MB last year. I think he deserves the MVP. Now, I like love Jokic's game, but Denver's struggling, I think, personally. Uh, me, myself, you know how we all do it. When, when, <laughs> like, yeah, we know who it's you. <laughs> me, myself, me, I. Um, I think I think it'd be the top 75 player of all time. You can argue me down if you want. I think he probably should have replaced Anthony Davis. Like, I've never seen a player like Joel and B. Touch from the basket, physical, can shoot the three. Just his, he, he hits free throws. Everybody had a, every big man. Most of them had a weakness. Like, Joel don't have no weaknesses. You know, now, does he a little dramatic? Does he fall a little too much? Does he talk a little too much mess? Of course, yep, 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 yep. I love but it. I think Embiid should have been the MVP last year. I think he's carrying them. He plays in almost every game. You know, Jokic is a great player, though. Does he deserve three in a row? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's also, as I've argued for years now it's not who's the best player in the league if that's the case you don't give it to Giannis it's who what player is most valuable to his team what would the Sixers be without Embiid you know so and, and the same you can make the same card for Jokic and the Nuggets but I just think Embiid is having a marvelous season so far I mean, he's just stepped his game up remember when they lost to the Celtics they were struggling everybody was down on the Sixers now they're back they're winning games. He's carrying them. So I, I think Embiid's the MVP, in my opinion, right now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, that's enough NBA. Do you two have a favorite for the NCAA? (laughs) Men and or women's tournament. Also, sorry about your loss. Sherrod, Coach Beheim did his thing in in Syracuse. We're good. We're good. Adrian Archer, that hey, Adrian Archer came to Syracuse same year as I, so we're good. We're good. <laughs> that's that's, that's me, and, me and we are very good. Uh, no, my my uh, my winner NCAA tournament. Um, I think this is a year that someone like the team I, I like a lot is Houston. Um, I like them. They they. I think this might be their year on the women's side. It's to me, it's, it's not even worth getting into. Obviously, South Carolina own that. They they run yeah, it. It's like, I don't running. know why I had to ask. <laughs> it's it's it's. I don't think they're gonna have a game that they win by less than fifteen. They're that damn good. 
Boston is a beast. Mm. I mean, if 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 college if women's college basketball had the same rules that the men's game do, she would have been a number one pick probably two years ago. Mm. She's so damn good and great size, soft touch around the basket, uh, good face up game. She's the real deal. She, she she's the, she remind. I mean, she's a different kind of player, but she reminds me a lot of just a lot of the fundamentals that Tim Duncan had when he came into the NBA. Um, I think she's going. I think she's going to be a phenomenal WNBA player. It would be fun to see South Carolina UConn again, but it's crazy how that's not even a legit matchup anymore, given all that Gino's done in women's sports, women's basketball specifically. Yep, and don't forget my pick to win it in the men's side. Houston is a plus five hundred to win it uh, all. Shout yeah. out to FanDuel for letting. Nowhere to go for that. that. One. Yes. Yeah. So you want? So that's that's not bad. He just, he just went based off the the odds. It's not bad. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> well, I ain't picking Arizona because they just lost to Princeton. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna say Alabama. I don't. I know if they're shaky and what they've done off the floor. I get it. But they just seem so deep and they seem focused. And you know, I'm not. You know, I don't think. I don't know who's rooting for Brandon Miller and that whole story is tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't know if he should be playing, but just as a team, they're very good. Uh, the women's side, South Carolina, you know, maybe Stanford can give them a run. UConn, if they're healthy, if they can get healthy. Um, I was going to say Notre Dame, but they lost their, their starting point guard, uh, kind of an All-American player. They could have pushed them. Uh, but it's South Carolina's to win, you know. And let's see what happens with Don Staley in the offseason. Does she want, you know, Temple's, the Temple job is open for the men. Is, is, a, is, a, is a high-level college ready to make a woman a coach. I think that's a perfect job for her because where is she from? Philly. So, And she um, is Philly. And if I'm, I Temple, if I'm Temple and she coached the Temple women, if I'm Temple, who else you going to get? Like you, you you went and hired Aaron McKee. Um, it didn't work out. Former player, former longtime NBA player. Obviously, he got five to four years. So, what you know, she, there's no better choice out there. So, I'm going to go South Carolina because it's kind of the easy one. Um, but I'm going to go Alabama. And I see, obviously, Arizona is out. Virginia is out. Yeah. We just, we, we just halfway through the first day. So. Howard's out. That was, you know, we got an oh, yeah. up in there. They just got their butts. And it was a tough, it was a tough, night, tough night for the SWAC last night, though. Texas Southern and Southern both got, really got balanced. Yeah. up in the playing game. You know, it's, it's you know you want to see HBCUs flourish, and it was good for Howard. And I know a lot of HU alumni went out there to Iowa to watch their team first time in 31 years. But you want to see HBCUs flourish, you know. And they were they were they both struggled uh, the SWAC teams, but uh, you know it's going to be an exciting tournament. I'm looking forward to it. One day BC will be in there. That's a wrap on the A-List podcast <laughs> for Aisha Blakely and Gary Washburn. I'm Kwani Lunas. Good luck to your March Madness teams. Oh, and shout out to Damon Stoudemire at the Georgia Tech job. Yes, yes. Congratulations. Shout out. ACC, ACC basketball. Oh, man. Have a great week. I know some ACC games I'm going to be going to next year. <laughs> <laughs>